Hey, Rip City, this is DeAndre Ayton. Your radio team brings you all the games and all the insight in between on the Section 113 Podcast with Travis Demers and Michael Holton. What's up, Rip City? Welcome into another edition of the Section 113 Podcast. Your Trailblazers radio team is here with you. He's Michael Holton. I'm Travis Demers. And, Michael, the Blazers get a win against the Phoenix Suns. They snap a seven-game losing streak. You know, eight out of nine at home. It's the holidays. Things are good right now, man. No, everybody's feeling good. This is that kind of favorable part of the schedule, eight out of nine at home, that I think most fans circled as an opportunity to get a report card on this team. So, you know, it's good to be home for sure. Yeah, it is. And they're, you know, we're halfway through the home stretch of this, right? Four home games. Then we got another against the Wizards on Thursday, a quick road game, come back for three. That's your 2023 calendar year. But I want to first go back to this losing streak a little bit, okay? So seven-game losing streak. And it started with an overtime loss in Utah to wrap up that long trip a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a disappointing finish to that game after the Blazers came back. Then on the road at Golden State, a game that they controlled for a good chunk of that. Come back, play uh, Dallas at home. Um a 13-point loss, but there were some really good stretches in that game. Then you go on the road to the Clippers, and you've got a two-minute, you got a, a lead with two minutes to go on the road. The Clippers find a way to win the game. Come back against Utah, one of the worst losses of the season. The the reserves came in, made it a closer game, but you're down by you know 32 points at one point in that game. Come back home uh, again. You're playing Dallas, uh, up and down. A game against Golden State that you were down by 22 and should have had a chance late to win that game. It didn't work out. That was your seven-game losing streak. And then against the Phoenix Suns, a game that was ugly to start. I mean, it was an ugly start. You're down 16 at the end of the first quarter, and they had the big comeback and a big 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. They hold on, find a way to win the game and the losing streak is over. So uh, a, a long-winded way of of describing the last eight games to where we sit now. And the other really important piece of all of this, you know, once we figure out what's going on with Shaden Sharp and his abdominal issue, is this team is as healthy as it has been all season and as healthy as it's probably going to be all season. So first, Michael, I, I, want, I want to know your thoughts on the the losing streak because there were there are multiple different parts of it with multiple different players that were available. Yeah, and Travis, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, I'm very familiar with losing streaks. <laughs> <laughs> experienced experienced a few of them as a player. Experienced a number of them uh, as a college coach. And what I can tell you about that seven game losing streak is. There's a lot of ways you can lose a game. I mean, you know, you cannot get a call. You can turn the basketball over at an inopportune time. You can blow an assignment. There's a lot of ways you can lose a basketball game. Yeah. But there's also a lot of ways you can look at how you lose basketball games. And I think we heard throughout that stretch transparency from Chauncey, the coaching staff, and the players about what they were seeing, experiencing, and learning. And that's why each game we we saw those stretches where, wow, this team could be really good, or 
they they might get over the top tonight, you know, followed by a two-minute stretch or two bad possessions or, you know, a plethora of things happening. So during that stretch, I just kept looking at what's being learned here, and I looked at what's the experience level of the participants, hmm. particularly the young guys. Because for the most part, I mean, Jeremy Graham was out for a good part of that stretch. Yeah. You know, Malcolm Brogdon, I think it's the front end of that stretch. So this team didn't have the veteran help to provide the leadership. So young guys were just kind of trial by fire getting experience. And with that, there there were a number of situations in that road trip that were very specific things to learn from, right? There was the end of the last game of the losing streak where the Blazers didn't call timeout. Um, Shaden Sharp goes the length of the floor, gets the charge called on him. And Chauncey Billups afterwards, you know, said, you know, with a couple of things, he talked about the timeout a little bit, but letting Shaden Sharp have the opportunity to see what he can do. Didn't work out, but it's a learning situation. You know, the end of the game against Golden State, the first one, Steph Curry hits the three, um, big plays made by big-time players. Big plays made by big-time players against the L.A. Clippers. Um, You talked about it multiple times in the broadcast with the defenses that Utah threw out there and how the Blazers were able to learn from that with the multiple, multiple different zone looks that they got. And Utah's not like the other losses uh, on the street, right? Because that's not a team that has high expectations and is um, you know, littered with all-stars and Hall of Famers. They're just a matchup disaster for the Trailblazers. So what do you think stood out to you the most when you talk about those things that they had to learn from over that seven-game stretch? I thought that it was the collective execution of the opponent. Uh, I mean, I feel like this team is, has gone through a stretch of being on the other side of clutch. So if we rewind and take back to the Damian Lillard era, mm-hmm. Dame was one of the most clutch players in the league. And so the Blazers and Blazers fans experienced a high level of confidence in clutch games and, and single possession situations. Well, I thought during this stretch, we saw other teams have that comfort and that confidence and that execution. But what I look at is, you know, I look at Anthony Simons right now and how he's playing and how comfortable he is. I mean, he made a huge clutch shot last night to seal the win. And listening to his comments about what he's processing with what the team is going through, I realize that he has a lot of experience about clutch situations having been on the team with, with Dame and CJ. Uh, and, and not to keep going back, but sometimes you got to go back to understand the path forward. And so Anthony now is in that position, and Jeremy Grant is extremely comfortable in clutch situations. So what I felt we saw in and the Malcolm Phoenix Suns game, and Malcolm Brogdon. So I felt like what we saw in the Suns game was the culmination of clutch composure on both ends of the court. Back to the Utah game. Utah starts you know, and plays three or four different zones in the first five possessions. And the Blazers were kind of deer in the headlights about what do we run, what do we run, what do we run. Well, Phoenix changed their defense in in the second half, trying to throw a monkey wrench in the Blazers' momentum. 
and the Blazers went right to a play, right to execution, and had no hesitation. To that point, you look at the the closing lineup for the Blazers against the Phoenix Suns. Scoot Henderson was out there. Um, He has not been in the closing lineups in many situations this year. Obviously, the injury to Shaden Sharp, he only played, you know, eight minutes. Um, And down the stretch of that game when the Blazers had an 11-point lead, it gets trimmed down to three before Ant has the, the, the play that you mentioned. That put him up five with just a few seconds left. And they had built up enough of a cushion to be able to withstand a run by a team that had Kevin Durant, who is ridiculous. He looked like an alien out there because he's so good and makes plays that most humans can't. Um, Devin Booker, you know, they've, they've very good players, Hall of Fame players. And defensively, they allowed some big plays and they made some mistakes offensively in that stretch. But they had also built up enough of a cushion to be able to withstand that. Travis, I think you and I were more uptight when the league got cut to three than they were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I was like, oh, no, right? Uh, and it was such a strange game because I felt like the Blazers did a good job on Kevin Durant and he had 40. Right. And- I don't know if I've ever seen a guy get 40 and I thought he was held in check. Hmm. So to your point about the quality scoring capabilities of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, I mean, they're two of the best in the league. Uh, And I thought the Blazers' defensive schemes against both of them kept them from making enough winning plays down the stretch. And that's something to hang your hat on. You know, I agree. And in this stretch, Michael, since Anthony Simons has returned, the offense has been significantly better. Okay, there's certainly been some stretches where they've struggled here and there, um, some of those first six, seven, eight minutes at a time. But you look at the points per game, the offensive efficiency, the shooting efficiency, fast break points, all of these things are better. On the other side of that, the defensive efficiency has gone down. They're giving up more points. They're giving up higher percentages. Um, the tur- They have not forced as many turnovers the last few games. Um, so at some point, I'm sure it'll all even out. But what do you make in this stretch where you've seen, but really until the, the Phoenix game, the offense gets significantly better and the defense take a step or two back? Well, I, I feel like we saw desperation defense when it was at its best. I mean, I think everybody recognized, wow, we, we're shorthanded. If we don't generate some turnovers or easy baskets, we're not going to have a chance to be in the game. Hmm. I felt like that was a mindset and a focus because that's how the team played. You know, and where the, where the focus goes, the energy flows. And then as the team got healthier and got primary scoring back in Anthony Simons, and Jeremy Grant, I think chemistry and execution uh, and rotation became the focus. Now, it's basketball. you got to be able to focus on both at the same time. It's not football. You don't have an offensive team and a defensive team. Right. But I think this team now is, is settling in to who does what, what combinations work well together. 
And I think the exhibit A for that is DeAndre Ayton. You know, at the beginning of the season, Chauncey said, we don't really know what we have in DeAndre. He, we don't know what all he's capable of doing, but we want to put him in situations to learn. Because the feeling was that he's more versatile than he had played uh, in Phoenix. And so the Blazers have moved him around. He's been in the low post a little bit. Uh, he's becoming the primary screener in pick and rolls. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, a mid-range catch-and-shoot guy. And he's starting to be asked to be a pocket passer, a secondary playmaker. Yeah. We have seen DeAndre Ayton this year in, in all the things that you're talking about. He, he's had 11 games this season where he's attempted less than 10 shots. He had 11 games all of last season where he attempted less than 10 shots. So he's not taking as many shots. He's not getting to the free throw line as much. And the other part of that is, you know, we've talked about it a bit, but these guys just have not played a lot together. You know, Anthony Simons obviously missed 18 games and he comes back and then Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogdon and DeAndre Ayton missed time. And really, the game against Phoenix was the first time after the first quarter, right? Because down by 16 at the end of the first quarter, they were what plus 21 through the the next 36 minutes. That stretch of the second through the fourth quarter is the most cohesion that we have seen with this group since they've been healthy. Yeah, and you know everybody always tells you it takes time, it takes time, it takes time. Well, you know, you get weary as a fan or a spectator because you're like, okay, it takes time, it takes time. But the reality is groupings of players playing together that haven't played together are going to have to go through a process together uh, of execution and what's critical and what's important and what are the type of matchups the team is going to benefit from exposing or exploiting Mm -hmm. on both ends of the floor. And we still haven't seen that yet. We're seeing glimpses of it. We see Anthony Simons as a, as a playmaker for himself and others. We see Jeremy Grant playing in space or catch and shoot, but there's so much more potential for this team. We're still figuring out Scoot Henderson's uh, gear. Uh, You know, we know he, He's high octane. He's energetic. He plays really fast and hard on both ends. But there's that second gear and third gear as a point guard where he's got a quarterback and he's got to read coverages. Uh, And we're seeing that develop in real time. With Scoot, he is – he looks like a totally different player now than he did, you know, at the end of October, right? And you look at the last few games. um, He is more in control. He's making smarter plays. He's not – um, putting himself in bad situations as often. The consistency, though, not there, okay? You look at the the game against Dallas, miserable first half, much better in the second half. The game against Golden State, he was generally really good in that game. Obviously, he had the, the great second half against the, the Utah Jazz. And then against Phoenix, he comes out and the offense was there and he had a nice stretch at the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, and his energy was really that catalyst. But he had five turnovers in the first half. And now you look at him closing the game out. He did not have a single turnover in the second half of that game. And he played solid defense and he played well. 
and he's still 19 years old. There's still a, a lot to go and a lot to learn from him. But we're seeing longer stretches of really solid basketball and getting a glimpse into who he can be. You know, it, it, it's kind of interesting. And I don't know that this is what happened, but as an analyst uh, of basketball, I'm comfortable saying what I'm about to say. The bench is a very good teacher <laughs> when players go to the bench. Now, Scoot got hurt and he went to the bench and he was able to watch and so he was able to learn by watching. But I thought what happened in the Phoenix game was interesting in that he had those five first-half turnovers. Shaden Sharp goes down. Who's going to start in the second half? And it wasn't Scoot. Hmm. And I think part of that is, hey, man, five turnovers, man. Uh, I'm not going with you. Now, I don't know that that's what Chauncey thought, but I was watching it. I'm thinking if I'm a Scoot, I'm thinking, about that, like, ooh, I should be the next man up. So my point is not to try to Monday morning quarterback coach this team, but to point out all of the different layers of experience gathering, not just the execution and performance, but the the time and score and game management and situational awareness. Right. With that, you know, and Chauncey said after the game that, he wanted that calming presence from Malcolm Brogdon out there, which was really needed after a, a really rough start at the beginning of the third quarter. Then they kick it in gear and they go from down 15 to up 14, right? A 29-point turnaround in that third quarter alone. But he also said after the game that he really wanted to see what Scoot had in clutch minutes because he just hasn't had many of those opportunities this year. He's got to yeah, learn and- somewhere. No, and, and I really appreciated that because a big part of this season is the development of Scoot Henderson. It's a massive I mean, part of this season. I mean, so he got hurt, and that was a setback. And and so the team is going to be very intentional and guided about his development. And so for Chauncey to kind of take us behind the curtain a little bit and say, hey, we got to make sure he gets some of those minutes in clutch time uh, because he needs to get that experience. And what I read into Chauncey saying that is that that experience is different than first quarter experience and second quarter experience. And, and so we got to be really uh, receptive to the fact that not only Scoop, but other players in different roles. Anthony Simon's in a different role. Yeah. Anthony Simon's is the primary scorer on this team. You look at the the season as a whole, Michael, there have been a lot of close games. They're now, what, six and nine in clutch game situations. And they've been so close so many times, but they didn't get that payoff for the hard work. Against Phoenix, they did. Let's be real for a minute. We're talking about one win. Okay, one game. Seventh win of the season. Now, it was a good win against a good team. Um, but you were able to figure it out. And now as we look ahead, and we'll look at the schedule here in a minute, three of the next five opponents are teams that are at the very bottom of the standings and an opportunity to get a few wins. And and I'm not talking about wins and losses being important in terms of where you're going to be in the standings. That's, that's not the focal point right now. But in terms of what a win actually does for this team and the confidence and gives you that payoff, 
How important was it to get that feeling? Oh, critically important. I mean, you want the reward to be close to the effort. But Travis, I this situation and that question kind of reminds me of something my mom told me and taught me hmm. as a youngster. And what's that? And she told me, if you never let yourself fall all the way down, you'll never have to pick yourself all the way up. <laughs> <laughs> so the Blazers need to take some of these early losses and these lessons as as a stumble, uh, you know, or a fall, but get up. Get up and respond. Right. And so the win against Phoenix is important because you get that feeling of, okay, we don't want to stumble again, or we don't want to stumble the same way. We don't want to make the same mistake, or we want to value a two-point lead, or we don't want to have back-to-back turnovers, or we want to commit to getting three stops in a row. You know, there's there's certain things that become a part of your your team DNA uh, that that you want to embrace and commit to. Uh, and so winning helps you crystallize those covenants that your team is going to make and hold one another accountable to. So the, when when the Blazers have won games this year, Michael, they, they've won games in bunches, right? They won three in a row earlier this year. Then they had an eight-game losing streak. Then they won three out of four, and then they lost seven games in a row. So you look at this next stretch. There is an opportunity for the Blazers to get wins in bunches again. They play the Washington Wizards on Thursday night. The Washington Wizards um, will have a couple of days off, but let, let's just say they they have struggled a bit this year. They're four and twenty-two. Then on the road at Golden State. Then back home, you play a Sacramento team that's very good. They're sixteen and nine, and then two games against the four and twenty-two San Antonio Spurs. So there's an opportunity to get some wins here in the next week to round out the calendar year before that monster of a seven-game, 13-day road trip that uh, seven games in 12 days on the road beginning on New Year's Day in Phoenix. So in this stretch here in the next five games, what do you want to see? Well, I want to see the team have consistency. You know, not have those stretches where, you know, you don't, get a good shot. Uh, you have multiple turnovers in a quarter. Uh, you know, you, you string together stops. You want to start seeing consistency and you want higher highs, higher highs, and you want to eliminate the lows, hmm. right? Because each of those games during the losing streak, you can point to a stretch or two of the game that was a low for two minutes or four possessions. Well, you want to start eliminating those because what you see the good teams do is they might miss some shots or they might make a mistake, but they don't make multiple mistakes in a row. Right. They don't compound. You know, they 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 eliminate those and and they move on. Do you think for a team that is in the position that the Blazers are right now, a young team that's still with, with some veterans, of course, that's still trying to come together, that's that's seven and nineteen, that you can look at this stretch and the opponents and say, Yeah, they should win that game. Are the, are the Blazers a team that you can even say, yeah, they, they should win that game? Yeah, yeah, you certainly should say that. I mean, if you can't say that, you know, you're in the wrong business, right? And 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 you should feel that way every night. But you should also know in order to win, we're going to have to do this or we're going to have to keep our opponent from doing that. Yeah. That's the experience. And that's what I saw against Phoenix. Okay, 
we got to make sure that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in the second half don't get a volume of good looks, right? And or we got to make sure that that we space the floor properly so we don't get in each other's way offensively that keeps us from getting a good shot or an offensive rebound right. or getting back in transition. So those are the building blocks, Travis. And yeah, the team should be able to look at a game and not look at the record of a team and say, we should beat those guys. They should be able to say, this is what they do well. And we're confident we can interrupt that. Well, that makes a lot of sense. This is our last podcast before Christmas. What do you have in store for the holidays? Rest, eggnog, and chores. <laughs> okay, who who does the cooking for Christmas? My wife does the cooking, or, yeah, I may help or I may go out and pick something up. Our kitchen is semi-closed at this point, Travis. <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have a lot of aroma coming out of our kitchen these days. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But um, what I can tell you about the Holden household is that yeah. we love the opportunity to just be together. Yeah. That's awesome. Me and the boys, uh, because they've had some you know time off from school and I've had time off in this little break, we made gingerbread houses the other day. We made Christmas cookies this afternoon. We're going to decorate them here in a, in a little bit. And uh, I'm making Christmas Eve dinner. I'm making my homemade sauce and meatballs and chicken cutlets for Christmas Eve. And then we're going to my in-laws on Christmas Day. So we, we've got a lot in store over here. Well, good, Travis. And I'm glad to know that you are happy. Your family's valuing you. And I just wish a Merry Christmas to everybody that hears this podcast and a Happy New Year. If we don't get a chance to unpack more between now and then. And I want all of our fans of the Section 113 the podcast to know how much we look forward to raising the bar and the level of how we bring them along this journey into 24. Yes, sir. Michael is always... Great stuff. You enjoy the rest of your afternoon, and I'll see you Thursday night. All right, buddy. All right. It's the Section 113 podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We can hear Michael and I, along with Curtis Long and the rest of the crew, on the Trailblazers Radio Network and our flagship station in the Portland area, 620 AM, Rip City Radio. We'll see you next time.